This morning's Gospel reading is from John. These verses, which describe the message of John the Baptist, are layered in the first chapter with the beautiful poetry about the word becoming flesh. Testimony and testifying are important words in the book of John. This is the way of describing the good news of God. Remember that we will call the two parts of the Bible the Old and the New Testaments. It is all good news. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light, so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light, so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. This is the testimony given by John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny it, but confessed, I am not the Messiah. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. Then he said to him, Who are you? Let us have the answer for those who send us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had sent him from the Pharisees. They asked him, Why then are you baptizing if you are neither the Messiah or Elijah nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water. Among you stands one whom you do not know, the one who is coming after me. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandal. This took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. During my last year teaching at Hathaway Brown School, I went to the middle school special ed teacher's office one day to make a telephone call to my doctor. The nurse told me the results, and when I was silent for a long moment, she said kind of hesitantly, I hope this is good news. And I said, yes, thank you, and I hung up the phone, and I went straight out an outside door and across the field of the campus to the primary classroom building, and I knocked on the outside of the kindergarten classroom window. And my mother opened the window, and I said, I'm pregnant. (laughs) In these days of lots of bad news, it's wonderful to think about good news. And I, I invite you to think of some moment when you received good news in your life, some really great news, when you had the chance or an opportunity like I did to share good news, and you know somebody's going to be excited about it, when, when you were the one who got to, you know, to give the results or tell people they had won something or to share a wonderful family event. It's good news. This is our joy day, and it's about the good news of the coming of Jesus. You know, the news so far this season of Advent has not been bad news. We've learned about hope and love. But, but for the past two weeks, even when we were talking about hope and love, you heard kind of that underlying note of, of darkness and struggle. The very first week of Advent, on November 30th, we had the, the hope candle. But the point is that hope shines brightest 
when life is darkest. So we talked about the struggles of the exiles and, and how people who are most desperate need the most hope. And last week we, we talked about love and the candle of love and how God found a way to bring love to us, to bring himself to us. But of course the dark note there is the reason God had to find a way is because we as human beings can't seem to manage it on our own and we're always getting lost. But I just want to tell you this week it's all about the joy. <laughs> this, this is about the good news and the joy and the news of Jesus Christ our Savior. So we have John the Baptist again. We had John the Baptist last week, and it's so interesting because the way the Gospel of John handles John the Baptist is entirely different than the other Gospels. If I were to ask you what you think of or what you picture when I say John the Baptist, uh, what are some things you think of or picture when I say John the Baptist? What do you think he looked like and stuff? Anybody have any ideas? Just go ahead and shout out. John the Baptist. A guy with a beard, right, exactly. Now he's just a beard, beard, you know, kind of long. He was, supposedly he never cut his hair, so you can imagine what he looked like. If you lived in the wilderness, not a lot of hair salons out there either. Okay, what did John the Baptist eat? We usually know this. Locusts and wild honey, right. And I know there's a lot of times we try to say, yeah, it was a bean from a tree, but it was probably indeed the bugs. So this is, and we know he came baptizing and he kind of had these fiery sermons and told everybody, you know, they were sinners. And that's how we picture John the Baptist and, and, and his message. But the gospel of John is incredibly succinct. And I, now that we've thought of all those things, I want you to put them aside and hear how John handles it entirely differently. This is what John says about John the Baptist. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came to witness, he came as a witness to testify to the light. That's it. No locusts and wild honey, no animal skins, no long hair. There was a man, I love this, sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light. Don't you wish all like little biographical descriptions were that succinct? You know, that's it. That's who John is. It's very clear. So hold that in your mind. That is John. And then you have a confrontation between John and the religious leaders. And it's all about who he is. It's all about who he is. They come to him and they want to know who he is. Because you know what he is? He's a rogue baptizer. He's out there doing things outside the system. You're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to, this is a very structured society. Everybody knows their job and does what they're supposed to do according to who they are, who they've been told they are, who their family is, what their village is from, all that kind of stuff. But here's this John just doing this rogue baptizing out in the middle of the desert. And they come to him and they say, who are you? It's a legitimate question. Who are you? And they're kind of pumping him a little bit because he has this power and charisma. They, you know, they're kind of trying to figure out if he's maybe a messiah of some sort. You know, are you Elijah? Are you the prophet? You know, some kind of prophet that we thought was coming? You know, and, and they kind of say, well, if you're not the messiah, why are you doing this? You can tell they're anxious. They're trying to find out who he is. And, and the interesting thing here is that All he says is, I am a voice. 
Now remember, you know who he is. You, the reader, know who he is. This is so great. John, John's gospel always does all these things about these people know and these people don't know and, and the light came into the world and the world didn't know it and there's, the religious leaders always end up being the blind ones and not getting it. And, and in this case, you're the one who knows. You have already been told that John is a man sent from God as a witness to testify to the light. So you know that by the time these religious leaders come, you know something they don't know. And John simply says to them, I am a voice, a voice. It always makes me think of, this is, this will date me too. It makes me think of the old uh, Kung Fu episodes, you know, when Kwai Chen Kang would have done this really incredible martial arts thing and all these people would be kind of goggling and they go, what kind of man are you? And he would always say, I am a man. (laughs) And that's just, John says, I am a voice. He was just a man sent from God. I am a voice crying in the wilderness to make straight the way of the Lord. Now, you might think he was being kind of cryptic or mysterious here, but he's not. He is consciously, and tells them he's doing, he's using the words of Isaiah. Now, remember, he's speaking to religious leaders. They know perfectly well who he's quoting. They know the passages backwards and forwards. They know the whole story of Isaiah. So as soon as he says, I'm a voice crying in the wilderness, they know exactly where he's getting that from. He's getting that from Isaiah 40 that we read two weeks ago. They, a week ago, they know what's going on here. He's referencing the whole second part of Isaiah, which is about joy and comfort and restoration and vindication and redemption. And, and as soon as he says that, all of that joy is in his message. They know what he's referring to, and they get it. They get it. They know what he's talking about. And maybe in their minds, the passage that you heard from Isaiah today, maybe that would come into their minds. And that one is all about joy. All that Isaiah passage, it's so much about joy. It's so rich and full. It's like a cookie that has nuts and chocolate and raisins and everything all packed into it. And and it's like the the author of that, that Isaiah chapter is trying to think of as many different ways of describing joy as he possibly can and get it all in there so you can get how joyful this joy is. I mean, if anybody asked you to describe what was the absolute best day in your life, the most wonderful moment of your life, it's hard to find enough words maybe to describe how joyful the absolute best day is. So you might say, well, it was like Christmas and my birthday and the day my child was born and the day I joined the church and my wedding day all wrapped up into one. And that's what Isaiah is doing, or the, the author of Isaiah is doing in that, this chapter 61, trying to fit all the joyful things in to describe how joyful, how joyful it will be when God comes. So he says, it will be like this. It will be good news to the poor, the healing of the brokenhearted. It will be liberty to the captives, release to the prisoners. It will be a whole year of the Lord's favor. It will be vengeance. It will be comfort. It will be anyone who is sad being happy. It will be everything rebuilt and everything will be just. And there will be salvation and righteousness and wedding bells and springtime and everything joyful. That's what it's going to be like when the Lord comes. And God will do this. That's the news. And guess what? John says, here I am. I'm the voice crying in the wilderness, getting you ready for that day. And it's not just coming. It's here. This is the really, really, really good news. This, in, in John, John's 
Words in the Gospel of John don't just say, he's coming someday. They say, guess what? There is one among you. It's now. He's here. This, that's re- the really, really good news is it's here. There's one among you who is the great one. This is John's testimony. He's the one who knows. He lets them know. And you as the reader know you can trust John. Why? Because he is a man sent from God whose whole job is just to be a witness and testify. Now, in, in kind of churchy circles, we use the word witness to indicate, you know, sharing your faith, maybe trying to bring somebody to um, a belief in Christ. You know, we kind of have a very um, um, religious understanding of the word witness. But, of course, in, in the world, witness and testify has more legal connotations, Right? You know, you think of somebody who's being a witness or testifying that's involved in a courtroom kind of thing. But the Bible is, it's, that was true in Bible times too, and it's very, very consciously using this word with its legal meanings as well. This is somebody who is supposed to be telling the truth, the facts, the story as they, as they know it and have received it. So John is, is not just making some kind of faith statement in his witness. He is telling you the truth. And we know we can trust John. Why? Because he is a man sent from God as a witness to testify to the light. That's the good news. And you can trust it. I do not know if you noticed today, but in the membership service, in, in the, the, the final membership question, when people are asked as they join this church to uphold it, there is a new word that has been added. The traditional formula for many years has been, and you may be familiar with it, to uphold the church with your prayers, your presence, your gifts, and your service. But you may have noticed that a new word was added today, and that is as of the last general conference, the Methodist Church decided to add the word of, to that question of witness. You promise to uphold the church by your witness, to tell the good news to other people too, to let them know, all the people out there that are hearing bad news all the time who need to hear a little bit of good news, there was a man sent from God. And Jesus came into the world. And with Jesus' birth and life and death and resurrection, the church was born. And we have also been sent into the world as witnesses to testify to the light, to share the joy and the good news. Amen.